Hey, thank you for listening to the City Life Church podcast. We are leading people to become fully alive in Jesus. We are a church in San Francisco, and we are praying that this word will encourage you, challenge you, and help you grow in your faith journey. Hey, today we're going to continue our series on Made for This. If you have your Bible, go with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read just a few verses. Someone say, made for growth. growth. Last week we talked about you were made for relationship. And uh, we were created as moral beings, as spiritual beings, and God designed us. He saved the best for last. He designed you and I so that he could have a personal relationship with us. We don't need to have a third-party relationship with God. We actually get to have a direct, personal relationship with Him. That's amazing right there. Today, I'm going to explore the idea of how you and I were created and made to continue to grow. We continue to grow. So let me, let me share a couple of thoughts from 2 Peter chapter 1. It says this, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Everything that you need for living a godly life has been placed within you. The key, though, is learning how to unpack it. And it goes on to say, we have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. The world is messed up, isn't it? And there's constantly little, little calls. And the world knows our name. Hey. <laughs> and the world is constantly pulling on us. Verse 5, it says, In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. And here's the key verse. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's talk about this, but let me pray about this and ask the Holy Spirit to help us all. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you that we get to be a part of your family in this moment. We get to be in your house, both in person and online. God, I pray that you would help me to communicate and to articulate those things that you placed in my heart, those things that you would have for us today. Lord, we don't want to just be hearers of the word. We want to do as your word says. Provoke us, God, and nudge us, cause us to grow. Lord, we don't want to be comfortable with our journey. We want to continue to become more and more like Jesus. So we surrender this time to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So coming back from being out of town for a few days, uh, I came home and uh, hanging out with my kids like, I miss you, dog. And Ethan was just kicking it in his room. And I just came and gave him a big old bear hug. And he's, I'm holding on to him for a few seconds. And pretty soon, like, okay, dad, go ahead. I'm like, what? Go ahead and leave. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, no, but it's, it's dad time right now. I want to cuddle with you. He's 13. You know, he's a teenager. And uh, it, it used to be that I could drop the kids off at school and give them a little squeeze, a little kiss. Nowadays, it's like I got to drop them off like a block before school. And don't you dare show any public affection, right? Welcome to my life. And, um, but I love these kids, love the world, and love Jesus. And I'm um, hanging out with Ethan. <clears throat> We were just kicking it for a few minutes, and pretty soon he warmed up to me again, like, all right, Dad, you can kick it here in my room, hang out. And then Elena was missing out on the fun, so she walks in, and, you know, he was, a, he was frustrated with her because of something, and uh, finally, she's like, she starts talking to him, and he stands up, and I look, and Ethan is as tall as Elena now. I'm like, how did that happen? Right? And he's as tall as Elena. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm having this weird moment right here. Stand up against the wall, the two of you. And then they're standing like this. And like, dude, he's caught up to Elena. He's taller than her. Which reminded me of like our little doorpost by our room. It's like, I don't know if, if in your house or your context you've done this. But when I was a kid, I wanted to like stand straight and like be measured and see how tall I was. And I was a late bloomer. That means that other kids were going through puberty and I was still like one of those short kids. And it took a long time for me to finally start catching up. Jaden, my, my oldest son, it's like, dude, he's as tall as me already. And we, we see the little markings. I remember when he was only about, yay, this tall. And then he, all of a sudden he started to sprint. Now he and Ethan, Ethan is as tall as Elena and Jaden is possibly taller than me. 
The only good news with that is, um, Pastor Keys, is that Jada now wears my size of shoes. So I told her, baby, I'm going to have to buy more Jordans now. <laughs> I can't help it, but my boys are going to want some of my shoes. And life happens and people continue to grow. When it comes to life, we should all be growing. And when it comes to this reality of spiritual life, we should all be growing. But unfortunately, many Christians stop growing. I'm going to explore that thought with us real quickly today. Here's a thought uh, to start off. Growing is a natural process of life. God created everything in our reality to grow, whether it's in the animal kingdom, you know, vegetation around us or the human race. We continue to grow. I never stop growing. (laughs) I stop growing vertically, but I continue to grow. You feel me? You know what I'm saying? So I have to like, I have to like counter some, some, you know, do some things to kind of like make sure that I'm in balance, but I continue to grow physically. We continue to grow emotionally, intellectually. When it comes to our lives, everything around us points to growth. We were designed to grow. We were designed. You were not developed. You were grown. God breathed life into you. When it comes to emotional growth, we all are growing. You can be spiritually mature, but sometimes go through some times where you're spiritually unhealthy, but you're still growing. It was years ago, Elaine and I were youth pastoring, and... um, came across a unique situation where kids were getting saved left and right and our youth ministry just exploded and pretty soon we had one of the largest youth groups in the East Bay and God was just blessing us and we're having great times but more than numerical growth more than having a bunch of kids coming to our our activities and our late nights and sometimes we would do lock-ins and we would do camps and different functions like Pastor David and Aaron do these days I began to notice that these these young people they started getting saved and they were hungry for Jesus That's a good problem. So we developed a discipleship program in the 90s back in the day called EDGE, Extreme Discipleship Group Encounters. And some of the other youth pastors said, this is way too radical. By the way, back in the 90s, everything was an acronym, right? It's another story. And the youth pastor began to say, you can't expect young people to read the Bible every day like that. Not just one chapter, not just one verse, but at least three chapters a day. That's just way too much, PJJ. You can't expect young people to actually memorize verses and they would have to memorize at least one verse a week. And you can't expect young people to actually pray every day. And then we had a list of different disciplines that every Christian should actually live by. And we just raise the standard and we say, you know what? We believe that we're called to not babysit, but we're here to pastor young people and develop leaders. So we developed a program and many youth pastors said, this this isn't going to work. Not only did it work, but after an entire season of 13 weeks, these young people said, we want more. So we developed level two. So now we go for another 13 weeks. And after that, they said, we want more. So we developed level number three. And we called it silver, bronze, and gold. (laughs) And, uh, And we started adding. We believe that every young person should serve in the house of the Lord. We, we believe that young people should, should be a light on their campuses, whatever school they go to. They should talk about Jesus, not in a weird way, but they should live out loud for him. So all of a sudden, we started planting, if you will, local churches. Those are Bible clubs on school campuses. Next thing you know, we had 20 plus Bible clubs all throughout the East Bay. And young people getting saved and people being reached and young people baptizing young people. And we saw this explosion of, of souls. And young people that began to grow in the things of God and studying the word of God. And then one day I was playing, I was playing a sport with, with a parent of one of my kids. The kid was only in middle school. The parent would have been in their late 40s. We're hanging out together. And in conversation, this realization came to me. Their kid, who was only maybe 13 or 14, was more spiritually mature than the parent. The parent would come to church and he would do the church thing. But when it came to his personal development and growth, he had been parked for a long minute. His son was growing, was hungry for the things of God, pursuing God, wanted to be in the house of the Lord. I had to kick him out of church at times because he wanted to be at every event, including women's events. Come on, somebody. Like, no. But at that moment, I began to realize the dad, though, he is parked and he is less mature spiritually than his 13-year-old son. And I began to notice this in life that maturity in the spirit is not based on your age or your gender or your marital status. It's not based on that at all. 
You can actually be very young like Jesus at the age of 12 in the temple. He was so knowledgeable of the word. He was so mature, the things of God, that the scholars of his day, they were amazed. How'd you learn all this? How'd you grow up so much? And then going back again to the sad part of life is you could actually have been saved from hell, but you're still an infant in the things of God for these last 30 years. See, walking with Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus is much more than just a get out of jail kind of a card. I'm no longer going to hell. Woo, yes. It's much more than that. It's actually becoming a true follower of Jesus, a disciple that talks like him, acts like him, lives like him. True disciples. It's like, man, are you Jesus? We should be Jesus. That's the call. And yet when it comes to growth, so many Christians, they just kind of coast through life. Am I preaching to somebody here? First Peter chapter two, verse two, it says this, like newborn babies, you must crave. Another version says you must desire pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into the full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment, he would say. When you're new to the things of faith, you should have a longing for the spiritual milk of God. And yet a bunch of Christians are still walking around with the little milk bottles. It's like, it's time to bust out the steak knife. It's time to learn how to eat with spiritual, mature teeth and appetite. But yet so many Christians were so happy. Look, I got my new City Life merch bottle. It's time to move on from the bottle into more mature things. 1 Corinthians 3, 2. I'm going to get preach up in here, Pastor Keys. Just, just wait. Paul says it like this to the church in Corinth. He says, I had, to, I had to feed you with milk. Not with solid food because you weren't ready for anything stronger. When you start, you start with milk. You start with baby food. But I feel like we live in a society, in a culture, particularly in America. Jennifer just came back from Europe. Welcome back home. We love you. But in America, particularly, it's like we are catering to a culture of just dumbness. Like we can't talk about complicated or difficult things in church. Why? Because people may not come back. Listen, God didn't put me in this position just to be your friend. You all got friends already. God's placed me in your life to be your pastor. And I need to speak truth in love, but I need to speak truth. Our pastoral team, we love you. Love you, love you, love you, love you. Pastor David will preach next week and he'll bring a lot more love. But more than just love, we need to, we need to bring truth in love. You don't just need a little support system. I hate the culture. Let me just say it like this, Pastor Keys, because I'm competitive. In our society these days, kids go to play baseball, t-ball, and they don't keep score. They tee up the little ball. The kid walks up, knocks that thing. He's out by a mile, but then he's still safe. And then at the end of a tournament, don't call it a tournament if there's no competition. At the end of the tournament, everyone's a winner. No, life is not like that. Not everybody's going to win. But we cater to this culture of just like, don't confront. You got to be gentle. You got you to be soft. That's why we got so many soft Christians everywhere. Oh, it's going to be a good word today. Again, come back next Sunday. Pastor David's going to preach a phenomenal word. We bring the baby food, but at some point, bro, you're shaving by now. Get off the baby food and start eating some solids. Y'all got to look, pastor, I'm not, I, I left that church. The pastor wasn't feeding me. Babies need to be fed. Whenever he, look, if, if you're new to our church, welcome. Just don't. <laughs> Just don't tell me that your previous pastor didn't feed you. It wasn't his responsibility to grab that little spoon and say, bye, 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 bye. Here comes the airplane. <laughs> it's our assignment as a church community, not just the pastors, but all of our life group leaders. We have an entire dream team of amazing people. It's our mutual assignment to nudge each other on in the things of God so that we can learn how to pick up our forks and knives and we can feed ourselves. If the only time your pastor fed you was on Sunday, you are malnourished. If that's the only time you eat is a Sunday service or a Sunday experience, watch online, you ain't healthy. 
The word grow in the Greek is the word oxano, which means to grow, to increase, and to become greater. It's a gradual, progressive growth process. We don't just kind of like grow and all of a sudden, I've arrived. No, it's gradual, it's progressive, it's consistent. We continue to grow. Here's some other verses in the New Testament talking about growth. For instance, in Luke chapter 2, verse 40, speaking of Jesus, it says this, there the child, speaking of Jesus, he grew up healthy and strong and he was filled with wisdom and God's favor was on him. Another version will say he grew in favor and stature with God and with man. Jesus grew physically, he grew emotionally, and he grew spiritually. Jesus himself, who was perfect, sinless, had no fault, he grew. So if Jesus, who is the cover of our puzzle box, grew, guess what we have to do? do. We got to grow as well. We get to grow. Ephesians 4, 15, Paul says it like this. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So again, like Jesus, we are growing, we are maturing. 2 Peter 3, 17. You already know these things, dear friends. So be on guard, then you will be carried away. So be on guard, then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.10, he says, he says, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. And I just gave you just a little potpourri here, just a little sample of a few verses that talk about growing. We're called to grow and life is a growth journey. We continue to grow from glory to glory. I learned from my mistakes yesterday and I continue to grow today. If you stop learning, you stop growing. So all of us are in this journey together. Turn to the person next to you and say, grow up. <laughs> Got a little shy up in here. A little comments online right there, just type in, hashtag grow up. We gotta grow up. Heard an old school preacher say like this, talking about evangelical churches and spirit-filled churches, the contrast between maybe a Baptist kind of flavored church and one of those Pentecostal type churches. When I say those, we are one of those. Um, he says, the pastor said, if you, if you, if you're only, if it's only word, you will dry up. If it's only spirit, you will blow up. But if you balance the word and the spirit, you will grow up. So we need the word of God and we need the spirit of God. And as we embrace both, then we grow up and we mature. We become more and more like Jesus. Let me give you three thoughts, three facts about spiritual growth. Because if you went to Kaiser Permanente this afternoon and you asked for an MRI to see what is the condition of your spirit, they could not tell you. But let me, let me kind of talk about three different stages of where people are at when it comes to, this, to our spiritual maturity. Number one, or, or the, the, the thoughts of spiritual growth. Number one, God designed you to grow. He designed you to grow. It would be ungodly. It would be unnatural for you not to grow. Growing is actually something that was divinely orchestrated. Number two, God wants us to grow. So not only has he designed you with that propensity towards growth, but he wants you to grow. And then number three, you can grow. Some of you are like, can you talk to my spouse right now? Talk to that person right next to me. You actually can grow. I'm speaking here focusing on the spiritual component of life. We can grow. We should grow. Here's the big idea. You must choose, desire, crave. You must choose to grow spiritually. It doesn't happen by accident. In other words, you got to be purposeful about your spiritual development and growth. It doesn't just happen by just coasting through life. There needs to be some intentionality. Now, praise God, you're tuning in online right now. You're leaning in. You're in the house of the Lord. Maybe you're in our family space downstairs and you're here. You're here. That would indicate that one, you want to worship God. That's why you've gathered together with other people. And two, hopefully you're wanting to grow. You're wanting to learn something more than just more information and more than picking up merch in the lobby. No, you're actually here to grow and to be strengthened in your spirit. That's why we're here. Praise God for that. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. 
In other words, I chose to stop being immature. Oh, snap. I'm going to go somewhere with this today. See, when I was a kid, I could get by with some immature behaviors. But as I grew up, I chose to set aside those immature decisions and behaviors because I'm a grown individual now. And it's trippy, Marco, because I look around and I love our church. It's like new people come through next steps. Welcome party today. Woo woo. It's awesome. And as we begin to do life together, it's like, man, there's lots of grace. The introductory offer, lots of love and love will continue to be here. But when I start seeing stuff on social media, people posting stuff, it's like, look, you came through the freedom retreat. The Bible says he who the son sets free is free indeed. You can choose to be free. You paid the money to come to Freedom Retreat. Why did you go back into your bondage like that? Ain't nobody putting a gun on your head and say, go back into that toxic relationship. You chose to do that to yourself. You listened to your heart instead of listening to his heart. Back in the day, listen to your heart. La, da, la, da, la, la. That's how you got yourself in trouble in the first place. You were listening to your heart. You're following your heart. Don't follow your heart. That's what the world tells us to do. I'm preaching to somebody here. As we continue to grow and become more and more like Jesus, we've got to choose. I don't act like a kid no more. By the grace of God, I've been set free from these things. I don't want to go back to those ways. I don't want to go back to those ways of thinking and behaving and believing. I need to be transformed and I don't want to go back. Am I preaching to somebody here? I, I would say that there are three categories for Christians, and I don't want to put labels on anybody. Again, I live in a culture. I hate this whole cancel culture thing. And, like, we're all so hyper and so hyperly sensitive to, like, all these, like, oh, don't place labels on people. I ain't placing labels, but just chill. Listen to this, okay? As I study the word and as I study life, John himself, he would write to a church in 1 John, he would say, listen, I write, to the, I write to the babies of the faith. And he commends them, you're doing so good with that bottle. <laughs> I write to the young men, you become warriors in God. Speaking of, you're a little more mature. And I, I write to the seasoned leaders of the house. He puts the, the folks into like three different categories. Babies, young men or young people, and mature folks. In my context, I would say like this. There are new Christians, parked Christians, and growing Christians. So maybe you've given your life recently to Jesus. Welcome to the family. And we expect babies to make mistakes. You got poopoo all over you, man. You got, your diaper is full and overflowing. We got this. Pastor Keys has a great diaper changing ministry. <sighs> fresh start. We will help you get a fresh diaper. Fresh Start is actually helping people take their baby steps of faith. Every Sunday, there's a team waiting. You make a decision for Jesus, we've got personal trainers that will help you take your baby steps. Learn how to pray. Where do I start reading in the Bible? Like, how do I start? We have a team that's assigned to help you, and they're committed to, to your success. For four weeks, Angie's the, the point leader and helping us in connections and different ones, and Miriam now, others. Um, we, love, we love our Fresh Start team. It's our diaper team. It's our diaper tape. So you got the babies and then you've got, well, let me just skip the middle one because I'm going to go straight. You got growing Christians. They love Jesus. They don't want to just stop and settle. They want to continue to grow every day. They're just motivated. I want more of God in my life, less of me, less of my old ways. I want to become more and more like him. That should be the goal for all of us. But then we got a lot of folks that have the e-brakes on. It's what we call the parked Christians where you've experienced Jesus and perhaps right in the beginning stages you were passionate, maybe you got water baptized and that's like, man, you went through fresh start, you went through essentials class, you're like, man, I can't get enough of this. And then all of a sudden, life begins to just fill your schedule and pretty soon life gets very busy. Hey, I'm saved from hell, I'm confident I'm going to heaven, I've been baptized, I got City Life merch, I'm good. And quietly and in a very stealthy kind of way, we can kind of coast and pretty soon we are just parked. Like the dad that I talked about whose son was growing and maturing and this dude had been parked for years. He would attend church. 
He would do the Christian thing, but he no longer was engaged in personal growth and development. Now, last week I talked to you about Peter. Peter, man, he had some brilliant moments and dude was a bonehead at times. Like, Peter, bro, I can't believe you would do that. He would walk on water and the next thing you know, he's chopping some dude's ear off. Right? He had been saved from the world. The next thing you know, he's cursing like the world. Like, what is going on with Peter? And yet, in his ups and downs, he continued to grow. He learned that when he, when he would fall, he learned how to fall towards Jesus. When it happens that we trip, and it's not a matter of if, but when. When we trip, have we learned how to get back up and face Jesus? Or do we run from Jesus? See, Pastor Keys, there's a lot of Christians that we know. They trip, they get discouraged. It happens. I'm not justifying that it happens, but they feel the guilt and the shame and they listen to the voice of the accuser. And rather than just simply owning it, acknowledging that we messed up, God, would you please forgive me? They drift back into their old ways. Internally, they know. They know what they need to do, but they're ashamed. They're afraid. And they're listening and putting more clout, more confidence in the voice of the enemy than the voice of the one who is crazy about them. So all of a sudden, it's like they don't get back up and they drift from faith for weeks, months, years. And God's constantly calling us back. Come back. Come back. I I know the plans I have for you. They're still good plans. I know you've screwed up. What's trippy about God is that we know our past and we know our present We don't know our future. God knows your past, your present, and he knows your future. And yet he continues to pursue you right now. He knows the sins that we're going to commit tomorrow, next year, 10 years from now. And yet he continues to chase us down with everlasting love. Are you with me so far? So we have these park Christians, Pastor Keys, who they're not engaged in just growth. And, and it, it, would, it would be easier to not confront reality. It would be easier to just ignore responsibility. And in God's mercy, because I know he's going to forgive me tomorrow, I'm just going to coast. But you don't understand, yes, he'll forgive you for tomorrow, but you don't have to go into your tomorrow with all the, all the scars and bruises. You could actually own it today. You can surrender today and you can avoid that rocky road that leads you to that hurtful place. Hebrews chapter five, it says this. I have a lot more to say about this, but it is hard to get it across to you since you've picked up this bad habit of not listening. (laughs) Come on, Paul, what are you saying here? By this time, you ought to be teachers yourselves. Yet here I find you in need of someone to sit down with you and go over the basics of next steps again. Excuse me, the, the basics on God again. Starting from square one, baby's milk. When you should have been on solid food long ago, milk is for beginners, inexperienced in God's ways. Solid food is for the mature who have some practice in telling right from wrong. So come on. I love this right here. Come on, he says. Let's leave the preschool finger painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. Grow up in Christ, he says. The basic foundational truths are in place. Turning your back on salvation by self-help and turning in trust towards God, baptismal instructions, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, God helping us. We'll stay true to all that, but there's so much more. Let's get on with it, he says. I love what Paul was saying to those folks, and I love what what God is speaking through this passage to us right now. We got to get on and we got to get moving into growing, playing little, little kids games, finger painting exercises of the basics of Christianity. That's the introductory offer only. At some point, we have to graduate to the next level. We got to pursue the deeper things of God. Amen. Am I preaching to somebody? That's why it's so important to have community. You can grow intellectually by reading, by listening, by watching videos. But then there are certain things that only happen in the context of community. That's why it's not good for man to be alone. The Bible says right at the beginning, it's not good for people to be alone. We need companionship. One of the greatest tragedies of of the whole global pandemic, and and I'm very cognizant and aware of, of people's health, physical health, but there's a mental health piece that comes with all this as well. 
This generation, kids that were kept out of school for as long as they will always have a unique challenge that they're going to have to overcome. PTSD is real. And I'm talking to parents, I'm talking to adults, I'm talking to young people as well. This generation, Pastor David, your, your, your juniors and seniors, as we've navigated through high school, I, I was reading a stat recently, the highest number of backsliding teens ever in the history of our nation happened during the global pandemic. And even in the context of our local church, an entire senior class, it's like many of them drifted from faith. Why? Isolation. Not connected to the family, not connected to the body, not being able to be discipled. And with a few exceptions, most drifted from faith. And I'm praying, God, I'm believing for prodigal sons and daughters to come back. We got parents here. Your children have drifted from God. I'm praying for your children. We continue to contend for each and every one of them. But man, this whole thing of being isolated and everything is virtual, praise God for technology, but it's still not good enough. We grow and we mature in the context of community. That's why Jesus didn't just select one person, he selected 12, and one of them was an idiot. (laughs) Judas betrayed Jesus for money, right? Jesus, he helped them grow in the context of community. There was a mentor, but there was a team around that was helping them, nudging each other, spurring each other on in the things of God. Let me give you a couple of thoughts here. Why some Christians are parked and they don't grow? Now, I'm preaching to everyone, because everyone in this room and watching online, we're already good, all right? I'm preaching to myself. I'm throwing myself right in the mix of all of this right here. Reasons why all of us could just drift towards parking and not growing in our spiritual walk. You with me? Number one, according to Hebrews 5.12, they have dull hearing. You've become numb to all the instruction and you've allowed all the other noises to kind of fill that space and you equate information from the world as equal to what the Bible says. That's why at times when, when we preach from the word of God, where I've preached from this platform before, you got irked, you got messed up, and you're like, I can't believe PJJ was so insensitive. I was just preaching the Bible. Right. Yeah, but we can see things differently. Some things in the Bible, they're not open to interpretation. They're very, very, very clear. It is what it is. It's been preached for millennia. Come on, somebody. It's not just my opinion. It's God's opinion. Other things, like you can root for the Raiders and the Niners. There's grace there. Go Niners. Um, But we become dull of hearing. We kind of go, la, 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 and we ignore the scriptures. We ignore what the word of God says and teaches us. The second thought would be folks that lack foundations, spiritual foundations, according to Hebrews 5.12. So when, not if, but when the winds of adversity come, because your house wasn't built on firm foundations, you drift and you fall. If you knew that a storm was coming, like Pastor David in Orlando, they recently had a hurricane, right? All of, all of Florida, man, Tampa Bay, people were going to Home Depot and Lowe's and buying all the, all the plywood that they could to just kind of block all the windows and everything. People were getting ready for a storm. They were investing. If they didn't, they knew they were going to highly, there's a high probability that they were going to lose a lot. If you know a storm is coming in your life, wouldn't you be motivated to invest into your foundation so that you would be strong? You can't play this little key Syrah, Syrah kind of a game and think that you're going to come out on the other side on top. You won't. But God's grace is sufficient for me. It is, but you still got to do your part. And you got to invest into your foundations. So a lot of Christians go into this mode of being parked and not growing because their foundations are just very shallow. Pastor Keys was alluding to a parable that Jesus was teaching. And Jesus was talking about two men. They both built a house. One built his house on sand and the other built his house on a rock. When the storms came, the one that was on a sand, his life fell apart. The house fell apart. But the one who heard the word of Jesus and built his life upon the word of Jesus, that meant that he heard and he did something with it. He withstood the storms. How about you? What are we doing in this crazy culture that we live in? How, what's the condition of your foundations? Are you firmly established in the things of God? In a culture, in a postmodern culture where now deconstructionism, where people are deconstructing faith. Listen, there are some great sweet talkers out there that will talk you out of this love with Jesus because all of a sudden it goes from a hard conviction into only intellect. And if you listen to that sweet talk and the philosophers around us, if your foundations aren't firmly grounded in the word of God, you too 
will sip the Kool-Aid and you'll go down that trail. Number three, reasons why people park in their faith, they fail to develop their spiritual senses. You can't smell what the enemy is cooking. You can't recognize it's more than just intuition. It's a spiritual intuition. You can't see with spiritual eyes and ears what's going on around you. As I was at this conference this last week, the Lord spoke to me about the nation of Brazil. So I prophesied for about two minutes. Much more than politics, much more than just who's going to be the next president in Brazil. I began to hear the Lord just say, there is a lion who's roaring, seeking to devour whom he may but there's another lion by the name of the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he comes to overcome. There is heavenly warfare taking place in Latin America right now. This is more than politics. It's spiritual warfare. And the word to the church that, that the Lord used me to dispense was, it's time to pray, fast, and prophesy. Prophesy the will of God. And what I began to sense is that there was a dormant church, a giant church that was dormant and asleep in Brazil. And it's time for that church to be awakened and not to just go with the flow, but to speak the will of God, to prophesy the heart of God. That comes from spiritual senses. You got to sense, you got to hear, you got you to feel what the spirit of God is communicating. And yet so many, so many Christians, they go into this park mode because their spiritual senses are dulled. Number four, they've never moved past their foundation level. I got, my, I got my basic three verses. That's my default. There's more. <laughs> Praise God for foundations, but where are the walls? Where's the roof? Where, where's the rest of this journey? Number five, straight up, real talk, folks are carnal. They love Jesus, but man, they still love the world. There's a conflict of interest here because you can't love Jesus truly and still love the world. See, Pastor Keys, and I was even convicted this week hearing one of the preachers talk about God, I think, is referred to as being love about five times in Scripture, but as far as His holiness, more than 200 times. And we talk about the love of God. <clears throat> we talk about how God is love, and we want to be loved by Him. And that's a fun way to preach because everyone likes us when we preach about the love of God. But what about the God that is holy? The God who can't coexist with sin. Sin and holiness don't walk hand in hand. We talk about the cross, and maybe I need to apologize because I haven't preached enough about the cross. But when Jesus uh, saved your sorry butt from the hell that you were in, Jesus hung on a cross to save you from that depravity and that, that pain and that shame. He endured the cross and the shame to save us. For us to go back to our old ways, it's like we're spitting on him again while he's hanging on a cross. He died for us because we couldn't save ourselves. So why would we entertain going back into the world and being just like the world? It's a conflict of interest. It doesn't work. Either you're saved or you ain't. Either Jesus is Lord or he's not. But we can't have it both ways. And that's what Paul was talking about here. And I'm on, on a God assignment to preach on, you were made for growth. You were not made to just be parked. You were not made to just drift back into the old ways. No, you were made to grow, to become more and more like Jesus. Don't justify it. If it's poop, don't paint it with gold paint to pretend like it's not. It's still poop. <laughs> Pastor, you don't understand my family. It, it's a family thing. <laughs> Woo, sparkly. It's still crap. Can I go there? Yeah. Sex out of marriage is a sin. Yeah. I don't care how you spray it. We love each other. We're soulmates. You're sinning. Yeah. Straight up. You're sinning. So when Jesus is hanging on that cross, paying for your sins, why would you come and worship Jesus on Sunday and go back into that toxic relationship that you know doesn't honor him? I'm just using one example. You could be cheating on your finances. You could be looking at porn. I don't care what it is. Fill in the gap with whatever sin that would be. Yes. <laughs> sin is sin. Yeah. So we preach about the love of God. We got to preach about the holiness of God. Yeah. We got to come into agreement with the will of God. God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for rescuing me. I don't want to live like this with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. That doesn't work. That's why you're so frustrated. 
and miserable because it doesn't work. I go on to say like this, look, I would rather you get both feet in the world and just live like a, a, the worldly person will than trying to be a hypocrite and be both. You'll be less miserable. If you're trying to live for Jesus, but you know, like now I'm going to choose to do this thing, you're going to be frustrated. People around you are going to be frustrated. You're not even going to have fun. You're trying to sin and it's not even that fun. So you might as well just walk away and just have fun. Get all the bruises and all the scars and by God's grace, God will still save you. <laughs> well, let's talk about signs of people that are actually growing. You're not parked, but you're actually growing. I'm, man, it got quiet up in here, man. All right. Online community, are you with me still? Come on. A couple thoughts, seven brief thoughts. These are, when Jesus is doing a work in our hearts, these are some of the signs. And I, I was reading and researching and everyone has an opinion. I grabbed seven brief thoughts that I want to share with you. These are signs or qualities or characteristics of people that I see that truly are pursuing God. And before I even go there, some of us are feeling a bit overwhelmed right now. Listen, that's the beauty of the house of God. There is grace here. There is forgiveness here. You don't have to leave with that heavy burden today. You can actually unload all of that stuff at the feet of Jesus today. That's the amazing thing about Jesus, his house. Signs of growing Christians. Number one, worldliness is less attractive. When you're passionately in love with Jesus, the world and Jesus, all of us are like, nah, I remember. Yeah, there was some fun stuff, but man, the... Oof, the pain that came with it, the guilt that came with it, it's not worth it. All of a sudden, the world is not as attractive as the things of God. Proverbs says this, it says, to fear God is to hate evil. Someone asked me a while ago, how do I overcome masturbation? Dang, I got quiet at church today. Woo, let's go. Pastor, I've been clean and sober for 14 days, all right? Speaking of personal indulgences. Checking off the little calendar. Okay, I gotta, I'm on a streak. 15 days without lusting like that. Thing is, when you, when you approach it that way, you're simply abstaining from something. And you're still missing out. You haven't changed the craving. You're fasting from something that you really, really want. How do you overcome that? you actually have to develop a, an appetite for something different because the soul still wants, like I have, there's this attraction towards this. I have an appetite for this. The way that you trump one appetite is by developing an appetite for something better. Yeah. See, how many of y'all like Caesar salads? How many of you like Caesar salads that they make the dressing with anchovies? Less of us. Some of you are like, ooh, I'm getting hungry right now. I like Caesar salad. I don't like anchovies. Just way too fishy. And I like fish. If you gave me a can of anchovies, I would not be tempted at all. Because I have no appetite for that. No taste. No desire for that. The reason people sin isn't because they like, oh, I don't like it, but I had to. No, you wanted, you wanted to. So in order to overcome something that you like, you have to develop an appetite for something better. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. The fact is, oftentimes, church for us is religious duty, and it's not even fun. We do it as a chore, but it's not something that we want, because what we really want is anchovies. So how do we develop then an appetite? You know, to, to fear God is to hate evil. Then how do we... It's taking our focus off of the things of the flesh and simply diverting them towards Jesus. Jesus, the one who loved you, the one who came after you, the one who was perfect, who didn't owe you a thing, the one who is your friend, the one who understands you. When everyone else walks out on you, he never does. That Jesus, as you begin to focus on him and you begin to think about him, you begin to talk to him, that's called prayer life. You begin to pray to him, you begin to worship him. Jesus at the center of it all. You begin to listen to worship. All of a sudden, the more you fix your focus on him, the appetite for him begins to grow. But you have to choose it. It won't just happen by like osmosis. Mm, ah, it doesn't happen that way. You acknowledge, no, my, left to myself, my propensities are going towards these anchovies. But I'm choosing to leave these things behind. And I'm going to press into you. 
Am I preaching to somebody here? I'll show you a couple more examples in a second here. So signs of Christians that are growing are those that they see the world as unattractive. It's not as fun as it used to be. The more you walk with him, the less fun that over there is. The more you walk with him here, even further away the past becomes. And it's like, man, I can't wait to just spend more time with him and not this. The second thought would be this. Increased, people, these are signs. There's an increased love for the things of God. When you're pursuing God, then you begin to love the things that he loves. Don't have time to share a story about Elena. That's good. Jesus basically said it like this. He says, listen, above all things, seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these other things that we're worried about, they'll take care of themselves. Seek God more than anything else. As you increase your love for him, you're going to begin to love the things that he loves. God loves people. Someone said, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? Love God and love others as yourself. In a self-absorbed culture that we live in where it's all about me, myself, and Irene, or whatever that movie was, when it's all about just me. Jesus, it's not about you. The world does not revolve around you. It's not about you. It's not about me, Jesus. It's not about us. But the more we pursue him, all of a sudden, our heart for his heart, our heart for his house, our heart for his will, all of a sudden it begins to grow. Here's another characteristic of someone that's growing in their faith. They have perseverance in adversity. It's like, you know what? Things don't make sense. I can't believe I got laid off. Man, the devil is a liar. But you know what? God has a better job for me anyways. And you know what? It's probably going to be a better pay, better people. I'm excited for what the Lord. So when the enemy gives you the wrong card, it's, listen, there's something better ahead of you. And you can actually press through. I don't know how God's going to come through, but I'm excited. I'm ready for my miracle. Woo, things got complicated. And in the natural, I don't see how I'm going to get my way out of it. But God, I'm excited for the surprise. I can't wait to see how and what you're going to do perseverance. Why? Because you understand his track record. It's not about your track record. It's his track record that's always perfect. Another one, uh, uh, signs of people that are growing as Christians, they care for other people. I love that one right there because the, wor the world doesn't revolve around them. All of a sudden, they're not living just for themselves. They're living to take care of others. And the more they serve others, the more fulfillment they experience personally. Two or three more. Another sign of someone that's growing is that they, uh, they continually obey God and they continually deny themselves. Jesus said, hey, if you want to be my disciples, you got to pick up your own cross daily and follow me. You got to deny yourself. It's not about you. Pick up your cross and follow me. Two more. People that are growing in their faith, they're, exercise, they're exercising faith. If your faith is never challenged, you will never grow. If our faith is never resisted, you will never grow. So when you have adversity, when you have opposition, it's a great opportunity, James says, to consider it all good. Consider it joy because resistance is going to bring you growth. How you doing, man? <laughs> you're good. You're good. I'm like, someone's going to escort me off the platform. What's going on here? <laughs> Lastly, as you stand to your feet, last point. That was good timing, though, man. I was like, you caught it right at the end there. So let's stand to our feet. The last thought would be this. Signs of people that are growing in their faith. The signs, Jesus said it like this. You're, you're going to recognize people by their fruit. What's the fruit of our life? Is it the fruit of the Spirit that's growing in our lives? Now, I used to think, here's my bad theology, and I'm growing, and I'm learning. I used to think that you could not God cannot produce or display the fruit of the Spirit in your life if you're producing bad fruit. How many of you have had the gifts of the Spirit displayed through you, but then you still made a boneheaded move? You're like, ugh, where did that fruit come from? The cool thing about that is that repentance, it prunes the fruit. So when you see those behaviors, when you see those tendencies and propensities, and you're all of a sudden like, wow, I got some great fruit of the spirit over here. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. By the way, it's not selective. That verbiage is fruit, meaning it's collective one. All the fruit is one. As that fruit is being displayed, we have the choice to either allow other fruit to continue to grow in us or to cut it. Christians that are growing saying, God, I want more of your fruit displayed in my life. Produce it. I can't produce the fruit of the Spirit, but God can. Lord, I want you to produce your fruit in me. I let go of me and I latch on to you. God, would you give me patience?
Would you give me self-control? Whatever the fruit is that he wants to display, he'll begin to grow that in our lives. What we do is we repent and we cut off the fruit that comes from ourselves, the sinful carnal nature. We repent of those things. So the signs of someone that's growing is that the fruit is evident. There's more of Jesus in that person than them. So where are you at in your journey of faith? Where are you at in this conversation that we're having? Again, Pastor David will preach next week about we were made to be disciples of Jesus, made for relationship, made for growth, made to be like Jesus. Where are you at, church? Where are you at today? More than just another little pick-me-up little moment, what's the condition of your soul today? Do you have a foot in the world and a foot in the kingdom? Is your mind divided where part of your life is consecrated to God, but other areas are not? Where are you at? God didn't give you half of Jesus. He gave you all of Jesus. And the exchange requires a 100% return. It's all or nothing. So let me pray for us today. God, we love you. Woo, thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace. I thank you that you love us too much to leave us the way that we are. You want to continue to work on us. You want to continue to change us. You want to continue to make us to be more and more like your son, Jesus. So today, God, we just, we take self-inventory. Huh. Lord, we look at our own lives and we can't blame anything or anyone around us. We take responsibility for our own choices, our lack of focus, and areas that perhaps we've drifted and we've parked. God, I pray that more than just acknowledgement, God, I pray that you'd give us courage to repent, to turn away from these behaviors, to turn away from these decisions and choices, that we would choose, Lord, to surrender to you. Lord, I thank you for even this, the spirit of acceptance right now. Lord, your Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of adoption. You're the one that adopts us. But Lord, we don't want to bring the world into this. We want to we, we want to repent of all these different things. We want to surrender fully to you. Would you pray with me? Would you say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming after me. Today I recognize I need you. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Every area of my life. I surrender fully and completely to you. I repent of my sins, my stubbornness, my selfish ways. I surrender to you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for forgiving me, for giving me a fresh start. Help me now to live a life of purpose where I honor you and I make a difference in other people's lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming through. Pastor David is going to wrap things up.